Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Hello again and welcome to Market View on Workday Afternoon. Before we invite our guests uh, to join us online uh, this afternoon, let's take a quick look at the markets. Uh, the SDI is down by half a percent at 3,215. South Korea's KOSPI and Australia's uh, ASX both down about the same 0.1%. The Nikkei up by 0.1%. The Hang Seng up by 1.4%. And the Shanghai Composite Index is up by 1.6%. So Asia is uh, mixed right now. And to help us unpack it all, we are joined by the Director for Wealth Management of Financial Alliance, Mr. Sunny Hamid. Sunny, thank you for joining us uh, this afternoon. Thank you for having me. I don't know what time you usually have your lunch, but um, you know, <laughs> I hope you have you know, fed yourself. Okay. I think before, before I ask you the first question, yeah. uh, let me give um, our listeners a, a bit of background uh, okay. in case they haven't had the chance to catch up on the news, uh, on finance news uh, this morning. The US President Joe Biden, uh, in a speech this morning, addressed high inflation and he said he's thinking about eliminating Trump-era tariffs on China as a way to lower prices for goods in the U.S., uh, just as Wall Street's bracing for another inflation report that's uh, upwards of 8%. Now, the speech comes ahead of two key inflation reports that's coming out later today, uh, U.S. time, and on Thursday. Uh, the global economy right now, mess of cross-currents, uh, any one of which can be destabilizing on, on its own. And uh, as we all have been hearing from, you know, uh, government officials in Singapore and elsewhere, inflation is now running at a historic high, hottest in 40 years uh, for a bunch of different, different reasons, right? I'll let you get to, to them. Um, and that's, you know, there's no solution in sight just yet. So if the White House, Sunny, were to drop Trump-era tariffs on China, how big is the effect uh, or the impact on U.S. inflation? And there's part two of this question, which is, you know, how much of a positive, right, knock-on effect will we see in the rest of the world? Mm. Well, I think um, given the situation, anything is, is, is welcome, um, no matter how small, so to say. The fact, and you mentioned it earlier on, that the, um, there's a bunch of reasons for inflation to be at multi-decade highs. Um, the main being the main one being the broken supply chains um, across the world. Um, that's not easy to fix. Um, um, the world over the past 20, 30 years, because of globalization, because of this, a search for lower cost destinations, um, what you find is many components are spread across the world. Um, even when it comes to just uh, building a car, you have several fa- uh, different countries uh, producing different parts of the car. Once the supply chain breaks down, even for one component itself, it causes mm. a delay and an increase in price. Um, that's not going to be fixed by uh, ending the, 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 the Trump-era tariffs itself. Um, neither will the fact um, high energy prices is contributing to inflation um, and also the reopening demand for, from consumers. So while it's welcome, or I think it will help to a certain extent, um, I think there are many other issues which I think are more major, um, uh, which needs to be solved before we see inflation numbers coming off. So um, I'm op- cautiously optimistic it will help, but I think <laughs> overall <laughs> it may not. And, and I don't blame the administration. Mm. It's, it's something out of their hands. It's, it's not something which is easy to address. Most mm-hmm. of the things that I mentioned earlier on, these are considered to be what we call um, cost-push inflation, things which 
um, the U.S. can't really do because it's not related to them supply chain, um, energy prices, and mm-hmm. so on. If there's anything that they can do, is basically to bring down demand, domestic demand, and and and. and and, and that really, I think um, the Federal Reserve is doing that part by, by tightening monetary conditions. Mm. But bringing down demand, um, it, it could even be eventually, I suppose, a, a natural evolution of development given you know the sort of conditions uh, that are going on, right? But in terms of quick fixes, and I know that if we knew what to do, we would be the president of you know any country. <laughs> but but theoretically speaking, right? And, and when you you guys get together and talk, you know what what else can President Joe Biden do, or what else you you think you will hope to see him do uh, that could at least mitigate a little bit, even if not completely? Typically speaking, um, fiscal policy when it comes to fighting inflation is less of a a targeted tool. It's a bit more blunt. Um, And typically speaking, you use fiscal policy more in terms of supporting, uh, in a supporting role. Um, monetary policy will be the one that goes head on uh, um, to, to combat inflation, but fiscal policy will be more of assisting uh, uh, retirees, um, companies, which probably uh, have been hit uh, by, by rising um, raw material prices, by, by rising inflation, uh, negative real rates and such. So I guess um, I would think that would be the main role uh, if they wanted to play one which is more, more effective uh, in terms of, of fiscal policy. Mm. Well, I, I, just in case I, I missed it because I was distracted mm. by my stomach growling. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what about the knock-on effects of what's happening in the US on, on mm. uh, the rest of the world? And I suppose that's focus a bit more on Singapore for the time being, right? Uh, if it would be able, if it were able to do something significant uh, to to deal with the inflation uh, issue that's going on in their country. Well, it, it would be welcome. Um, I think um, everybody's grappling with the situation whereby, um, as you mentioned earlier, decade-high inflation mm-hmm. across the world. Um, so if, if, if for some um, reason the U.S. was able to actually uh, uh, able to bring down inflation, I think it will be welcome, not only in Singapore, mm-hmm. but, but everywhere else in the world. But again, I'm quite mm-hmm. doubtful that they'll be able mm-hmm. to do so. It's, it's, a, it's a multi-cross-border situation which mm. requires um, a lot of things to fall in place before we see inflation coming. Mm-hmm. Another big correlational factor right, would be what's happening in China. Right, I think for a while the inflation rate there held up pretty, pretty good compared with you know the rest of the world. But now, um, from what I'm reading, it seems like exceeding forecasts as the, their lockdowns you know are uh, affecting supplies. Uh, if we look at the factory gate prices, rose faster than expected in April. The producer price index rose eight percent compared with a year earlier. Uh, the consumer price growth also uh, pick up picked up speed to two point one percent from one and a half percent just the previous month. So what are we, interpret these numbers and, and, and tell us you know, what you think in, at least in the short term uh, we're looking at uh, for the rest of the world in terms of what's happening in China. Mm-hmm. So I think um, China, first of all, um, the lockdown, the, the very harsh uh, zero COVID policy is also contributing to, to higher prices worldwide. Um, in itself, domestically, um, again, um, once you lock down um, domestically, if you can't produce, whether it's agricultural products and so on, um, it will also lead to higher prices. So the CPI itself um, um, is very likely to remain high over the uh, indefinite future, next couple of months or even quarters. Um, the PPI itself, I think, will be interesting. 
um, while there is some upward pressure on PPIs across the world today, uh, we're beginning to see some decline in industrial commodity prices, uh, metals such as iron ore and, and so on. Um, it may suggest a slowdown in economic activity. And if you look at numbers such as um, uh, leading indicators of economic activities, um, they do suggest that um, probably in the second half of the year, we should by right be seeing some slowdown in, in, in economic activity. So it could be a point where um, we could start to see PPI soften a little bit mm. uh, because of that. Okay. Okay. Now, um, just now when we were talking about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the U.S. actions on inflation, etc. I mean, you mentioned that global supply chain issues uh, mm-hmm. is another huge factor. Are we talking about just semiconductor chips? No, no, we're talking about almost everything. Um, um, first of all, semiconductor chips itself, let's say, for example, fits into a car. Mm. Um, and, 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 and there are other components of, of that particular car itself, mm. which also has, is affected. Mm. So, so it's not only that, but it is a key, key part of it, but not only that. Okay, but then the supply chain issue, is it now, can we say, because much of the world has begun opening up, Right, and mm. and I think we hardly hear about any lockdowns aside from in China. So can can we attribute this global supply chain um, sh- shortage or issue to China alone? Mm. I think supply chain issues tend to resolve themselves over time, given time. Um, mm. um, the I think the, the the main thing there's been a back backlog. Uh, uh, because of, of, of what's happened in the lockdown of the past two years. So, mm-hmm. number one, uh, factories need to clear that backlog. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, the, the, the actual supply chains itself need to be unclogged uh, because um, China, for example, is, is one of the key destinations where, where goods are routed through mm-hmm. and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. So, so, these are some of the issues which will work themselves out mm-hmm. over the next six months. Okay. Uh, but before that, I think <laughs> okay. we have to contend with, with higher inflation. Okay, but in the next six months, any possibility of any, uh, how would you say, uh, movement towards recession in, in any part of the, in any of the more significant economies? Mm. Good question. Um, many economists are now moving into the camp of slower growth. And as I mentioned, many of the leading economic indicators is, uh, is suggest, are suggesting that. So what we are, what most economists, most strategists now agree is that growth is slowing. Mm. Um, within that group, a small portion of them are, are leaning towards a recession happening, so, mm. but not the majority at this point in time. Mm. Uh, but both, whether it's recession, whether it's slower growth, it's probably um, good for for inflation. So I don't know if I would put it in, in, in mm. the commas. We need to say that because it really dampens um, uh, overall demand and that would help probably in terms of mm. uh, bringing down prices a bit. Mm, mm. Okay, let, let's, let's now take a, a step back uh, again and mm. look at a, a broad uh, view of the stock markets, right? There's been some, some amount of brutal selling uh, <laughs> in the stock market of late. Uh, I suppose due in part to the rise in the 10-year Treasury yield, but uh, one of the sectors that actually saw a lot of losses would be uh, the tech tech sector, right? Uh-huh. I think uh-huh. I understand lost up about more than a trillion dollars in uh-huh. value in the last trading days alone. So, mm-hmm. um, are we looking at the tech bubble uh, bursting? I mean, is there even a tech bubble in the first place, or is it and, and is it bursting right now? If there mm-hmm. is, well, I guess some people would argue uh, there was, <laughs> and mm. and I think it's it's really um, a confluence of factors. 
um, during the pandemic itself, um, the, the overall trend, or rather the overall, um, um, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll call it a trend, the overall trend for the tech sector was we were moving into what we call the third wave, the third technological revolution, the Web 3.0. These are big words, but this was really the, the path, the new, the new path tech was taking. So it was quite uh, 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 sexy, so to say, uh, <laughs> given that situation. Yeah. Um, Throw on top of that the excessive liquidity that the Federal Reserve had pumped into the system due, uh, during COVID. Um, throw on top of that the so-called lockdown period where everybody started to then discover that there's Zoom, there's, there's Netflix and so on and so forth. Mm, mm. So what you had was you had something which was fundamentally solid, i.e. the, the, the move to this uh, new 3.0 web, uh, mm. this new uh, technological wave but throw other things inside. And what you had was you had an excessive increase in prices and valuations of mm, tech companies. Mm. So I think what we're seeing now is we're seeing that, that reset of that excessive valuation, but that doesn't mean that that overall trend itself is, is invalid. I think that trend is still a valid trend. It's mm-hmm. just that we're seeing some of the froth taken out mm. from the market. Actually, you know what? I'm glad you said that because um, like just today, there's the report that crypto assets right, lost nearly $800 billion U.S. dollars over the past month, uh, hitting a low of $1.4 trillion. And if we look at what's happening in Bitcoins, um, it's lost nearly, I don't know, um, in just six days, you know, it, it's yeah. hit a 10-month low. So tell me what yeah. your view of crypto assets is, because yesterday I was just sharing mm-hmm. with, with our, our listeners, right, that, um, you know, Warren Buffett, for example, is dead against you know, all these uh, digital assets, crypto assets and all that. We have one yeah. minute. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, okay, so in one minute and 60 seconds, all right. So basically, I think you need to approach crypto assets in the correct way, meaning to say that um, if you understand that each behind each cryptocurrency, so to say there's a utility. Um, if you look at Ethereum very quickly, um, Ethereum allows you to do smart contracts. Mm. Um, certain banks, including DBS in Singapore, have mm. issued bonds mm. using the Ethereum network mm. or protocol. So you're seeing that actually some of these crypto assets have utilities behind them. Mm. So we, we ought not to bunch everybody up into the Shiba you know, Dogecoin corner because there are utilities behind it. So in my view, um, um, it's used, some parts of it, of, of the crypto world is useful. Mm. Uh, it's just that it's going through the same thing that the stock market is going through, the bond markets are going through, which mm. is i.e. a de-risking after the huge amount of liquidity that we've seen over the past one over the years. You know what they say, great minds think alike, because Warren Buffett also <laughs> talked about assets. I mean, he's saying that, you know, look into productive assets for investment. And, you exactly. know, like you pointed out, Ethereum has users. It is productive in certain way. So, you know, not all crypto assets are bad. You know, exactly. Sunny Hamid, thank you so much for your time. Well, uh, if you haven't had lunch, enjoy. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> and we'll speak to you again uh, very soon, I'm sure. Thank okay, you. you take care. Thank okay, you. Bye-bye. Thank you, you too. Well, Money FM has been speaking to Sunny Hamid, Director for Wealth Management of Financial Alliance. That's our market view this midweek. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.